Good evening and thanks for joining us. Countries and companies around the world are focused on COVID-19 tonight as new cases emerge. More than 50 countries have confirmed cases of the new coronavirus now and the World Health Organization has raised its alert to the highest level. Sobering words from the French president tonight calling the coronavirus the most serious health crisis in a century. One hospital reportedly receiving a new patient every five minutes. Experts warning Italy is still two weeks away from the outbreak's peak, as more than 60 million people are urged to stay yes, at home. But their numbers continue to swell at protests across Europe. I'm a human being, and I would like to live and breathe without a face mask. Despite some measures being relaxed, hundreds of Germans gathered for a second week, undeterred by warnings of a new wave of infections. In the worst-hit European countries, there's growing anger at the handling of the crisis. Banging pots and defying police, demonstrators in Spain called for their government to resign. Simply putting bread on the table was front of mind for protesters in Poland, who defied a police ban on gatherings to call for restrictions to be lifted. The growing mood of defiance also spilled over to the United Kingdom where police moved on protesters in Hyde Park, arresting 19 people for deliberately breaking social distancing guidelines. I wouldn't go home, because I want my freedom of speech. As fear of the virus diminishes, anger at restrictions is set to grow. Michael Troy, ABC News. Chaos, confusion, this is what comes to mind in light of what we're witnessing around the world today. While some are fighting for their lives, others are fighting for their freedoms. Everyone seems to have their own perspective as to how they see or understand the current situation and what needs to be done in order for humanity as a whole to move forward. Nevertheless, there still seem to be two basic groups coming together in order to achieve that which they think needs to be done right now. While some are pushing hard for mandatory vaccinations and staying at home during lockdowns, others are pushing against both measures and the level of control that the powers that be are seeking to exert and calling for their lives to go back to normal. What if I told you that Revelation 13, which so many of us have been claiming to clearly understand, has already prophesied exactly what we're witnessing right now? And no, I am not going to say that COVID-19 has been directly pointed out by name through some mysterious biblical symbolism in that chapter. But what we see in the world predominantly within the two paradigms that we just mentioned and are about to examine, most certainly starting to reflect word for word what the Bible has already revealed. But in order for us to understand that, we'll now have the Bible paint the picture for us and then allow the world to show us how this very picture is beginning to form little by little. We find two beasts in the book of Revelation, the first one coming out of the sea and the second coming out of the earth. Bible students throughout the years have rightfully come to conclude that the beast that comes out of the sea is none else but the Roman Catholic power, the papacy. But this beast is not alone. He has an accomplice and that accomplice is the beast that comes out of the earth, which was initially established upon lamb-like principles. The beast represents the United States of America, and as Revelation 13:12 tells us, 
he exercises all the power of the first beast before him and causes the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. In other words, we have two powers, though separate, united upon one and the same agenda. What we are going to do right now is to closely examine a little bit about what is going on behind the scenes and see what it is that these two beasts, which are predominantly working under two religious powers, have been up to in the most recent past. But before we jump into this, let us first examine one very important principle that needs to be understood in order for the big picture to come together. Did you know that Rome, just as the United States of America, has had the eagle as their national symbol? Now what happens when you unite two eagles, or when you combine two eagles into one? Because as we saw in Revelation 13:12, though they were two separate beasts, they had one and the same agenda. What you get is one eagle with two heads. Why? Because ultimately, all roads lead back to Rome. It is believed by many that the symbol of the double-headed eagle and its meaning evolved from the symbol of the two-faced Janus. Janus was a two-faced Roman god. One side looked toward the past, while the other side looked toward the future. The two-headed eagle has also been recognized as one of the most relevant emblems of the Scottish rite. And what is the meaning behind this emblem? As you can see from the emblem itself, the two heads are pointing in the opposite directions, to the left and to the right. And isn't the left and the right what we see in so many different areas of our lives? For example, politics, religion, medical practice, and other areas as well. However, we as Bible students will narrow it down to one particular example that very well illustrates the workings of the two-headed eagle. This example is from the first advent of Christ during the time that he spent dealing with the Jewish church on earth. The two heads that we find in that church were those of the Pharisees and Sadducees. One church, one eagle, but two heads facing in the opposite directions of each other. The left and the right. The liberals and the conservatives. You might say, well, the conservatives were better than the liberals. That is what they thought as well. But ultimately, both the Pharisees and the Sadducees were simply two faces of the same false coin. This is why at the very end of Christ's ministry, though they were both on the opposite ends of the spectrum, one facing the left and the other facing the right, they came together, persecuting Christ and putting Him to death. This, friends, is the work of the double-headed eagle. And what took place at the first advent of Christ will take place just before His second advent as well and God's people will be persecuted by all of mankind for the Bible says that the whole world wandered after the beast and as we go forward now and allow the events of the world to demonstrate to us how these two beasts are working from two separate directions working upon those on the left and upon those on the right we should also keep in mind that these two beasts which are also two religious institutions the Catholic Church and the false prophet, apostate Protestantism, are assisted by a third spiritual power as well. 
In Revelation 16, we see that there are three unclean spirits, two of which we have already discussed, and the third one, which is the spirit of the dragon, or the spirit of paganism or spiritualism, more popularly known as the New Age movement today, is also very actively involved in assisting the workings of the two-headed eagle in the workings of the two beasts found in Revelation 13. So at this time, we're going to go behind the scenes and listen to an interview by a Catholic deacon who left his work at the Vatican because he did not agree with their agenda. He now claims to work to expose the workings of the Catholic Church and paints a very interesting picture in order to inspire people to move to the other side of the spectrum, which according to him is what humanity needs to do at this time. Let's start with the question, how is the situation in Argentina? The situation in Argentina is like the situation all over the world. They're trying to do a quarantine, a total quarantine, because the facts that are being told in all the countries are not the, is not the truth. With a government, a populist, socialist government like the one we have, and so the truth is not coming out in its fullness. They're always covering things. So we're in a critically bad position because we don't have sanitary conditions. The doctors and nurses are putting all their efforts forward, but it's not enough. There are places in Argentina where there is a lack of supplies and materials to help the people that contracted this virus. It's like it's a plan, no? The same thing that they're concealing in Argentina, they're concealing here in Colombia and in other places, because you and I know, as many people know, that this is part of a global plan. Yes, it's a global plan. It's a global plan. And who's behind this global plan? There are many people behind this global plan. This global plan has been worked on since 2004, 2005. I have had the luck, if we can call it luck, of being in the Vatican and had meetings with many people that right now, in the present time, I'm understanding who they were at that time. And those that want to implant this new world order with a globalist agenda, and what they want to do is make a world currency. The discussion here, that it's already being put into practice, it's already being implemented. They've already started putting this into process last year, and since 2013 until now, since uh, Pope Francis became Pope in 2013, since 2013 until 2020, everything that happened on this earth has been moving toward this globalist agenda. And now we're seeing it in advanced steps. Yes, exactly, because this has been planned 
from meetings, for example, that were in um, England in 2005, in uh, Italy in 2013. And these are people that belong to a global elite that control the Federal Reserve, the um, World Bank, and many other such entities that what they're doing is creating a giant global monopoly, a reduction of the population, and to impose this global agenda. Exactly, and Jorge, you were part, you worked directly in the Vatican behind Pope Francis. I worked during the time of John Paul II, of Pope Benedict, and then my last active service in what was the Secretary of the State or the Intelligence of the Vatican under Pope Francis from 2013 until 2015. And what happened in 2015? It happened that I didn't want to enter into this sort of politics, to these sort of politics that they wanted to implement. My mentality was different. It wasn't one of socialism, nor the globalist agenda. I've always been a person of the right. And I had that discussion with Francisco in 2015, after becoming a deacon, and he requested that I recuse myself, and I recused myself. And I had to keep silence for a while until that period was exhausted. And then in August of 2018, I started denouncing everything that I knew from the period of John Paul II all the way until Pope Francis, but especially under Pope Francis, because he is a, he's an accomplice to this globalist agenda. Let's see, how can I say this? He's actually a fundamental element beneath all these elite families that manipulate with all the world wealth and the economics of the world. Pretty much all of these families control the Federal Reserve of the United States. Exactly. What's more, Donald Trump couldn't even enter into the Federal Reserve. So you can imagine the power that they have. So this has been planned for a very long time. The coronavirus, COVID-19, which we are living now, which was implanted for the purposes of this this new order that's trying to eliminate the population. As I was telling you, I was reading a, a, rec a report recently that's declassified that already in 2005, in a meeting that I was participating in as, as a listener for the Vatican, they were already discussing the implementation of this virus for this time. Since 2005, yes, since 2005, and so many things that happened since then, for example, Iran, Iraq, and many things since then uh, were planned, were part of these steps to bringing this in. In this meeting that I participated in as a listener, I was about 32 years old then, now I have, I'm 47 years old. I went as a listener without knowing even the basic fundamental reason for this meeting. In this meeting, they started discussing, there were about 30 people, I was the representative of the Vatican, one of the representatives of the Vatican. There were cardinals, peoples from the Anglican Church, certain representing the United States, which I watched later how they progressed, business leaders, 
people from very high ranks of the military. And as the time passed, I understood that what was being discussed there was not the planification already, but the strategy to implement. And so, until we came to what happened by human will, and I say human will because what we're seeing here with this virus was prepared in a laboratory, this coronavirus. Exactly. Now, the question is, Jorge, because I have seen and I've researched a lot and I'm, I'm going to bring something forward soon, but in October of 2018, there was a meeting in New York. There was a simulation of a pandemic, which is exactly what we're living now and exactly with a coronavirus. Yes, with the coronavirus. So, in this meeting, all the globalists, the, the elite globalists were there from the United Nations, obviously, with their evil agenda of 60 years. There were hotels such as the Marriott, there were airlines such as Lufthansa, there was Anne's Bank, an Australian bank, for example. The National Security Department of the United States, Bill Gates, obviously, private businessmen as well. You read my mind. The Monetary Fund, a number of international organizations and corporations that now are saying that it, it was an exercise to see how the world would respond. They were simulating how the world would respond, and now this is what's happening. There's a test with the airlines and all of this. Yes, this is correct. It was this way. Imagine in August of 2018, when I opened my Twitter account and started uh, denouncing the, um, the money laundering involvement of the Vatican, I was hacked and my Twitter account was taken down. I had spoken on this topic of what is coming in the future. And my account was taken down, and later, in October, there was this meeting to implement this exercise exactly with the coronavirus. The virus has always existed, but not the way it's been mutated now. The whole world is speaking of coronavirus, but nothing it's never been mutated the way this has been mutated. It's been mutated with two other viruses that don't have a cure. Well, actually, one has a, an anti-flu vaccine, the H1N1, and the other one is HIV. So they mutated and they combined these together, and that's why the virus is so deadly. causes others to suffer more. It will take longer to eliminate people this way, 
because it causes more suffering and takes more time. But for them, this is much better than having an atomic war, missile to missile, city to city, country to country, etc. So this is what they did. A business that, uh, like the one you mentioned from the United States has the coronavirus patented which uh, by a businessman who has contracts with the United States with defense, etc., and had the patent for this virus and this virus basically was commercialized, to put it briefly. It got to the hands of the Chinese, and the Chinese worked on this mutation and amplified it. And it's like I said, like they deleted on Twitter, that in this market in Wuhan where the virus appeared, inside this market, let's call it the part, the underground part of this market was the laboratory, were the laboratories which created this virus. So you're saying that the United States and China are on the same page? It's not the United States and China that are on the same page. This it comes from before, from before Donald Trump. And many members that I've that I saw at these at um, the meetings in 2005, many of these people, the businessmen that I saw in 2005 that weren't well known, that weren't as well known then, that they were the ideologists of this whole operation. That's why I always say I defend the administration of Donald Trump and everything that they're trying to do to palliate this because. He knows very well where this is all coming from. That's what I wanted to ask you. Does Trump know everything that's happening? Yes, he knows. That's why there's a deep state as well. And we have to say the reality is that there are lots of traitors in the United States government. Many traitors, yes. Therefore, within the government of the United States, they're trying to manipulate Donald Trump for him not to be a, a hurdle to all of this. For this reason, I always say on my YouTube channel that we have to have an alliance. There needs to be an alliance between three fundamental countries in Latin America and with the United States as well, and that's the United States, Brazil, and Argentina. What's going on is that in Argentina, since we have a socialist government, it won't happen. Therefore, because I have the information of what's going to be happening, because I always know in advance, I'm told in advance, and then it always happens. Therefore, we need to do something politically. The citizens of the right, so that we can help Latin America, firstly, and then against this new order that they want to bring in. And now what are they going to do? Are they going to force their vaccine, their medications? Inside this timeline, Liliana, when the virus came out, different viruses such as the bird flu, the swine flu, and the H1N1 vaccine came out, this vaccine, what does it do? It lowers your defenses and it fills you, it gives you a, a big dose of a virus. 
this virus is the predecessor of the coronavirus. So they are trying to, they were trying to force a vaccine so that when the coronavirus came out, so that those, for example, that have a low immune system will be the first ones to fall. This is the topic. And now they're trying to say they need a new vaccine to cure what is the coronavirus because there is no cure, although there are certain remedies, but it's not a vaccine. And this will be, this, this uh, vaccine will come in the future, not too far from now. After June, will be to control the population. Exactly, because that's part of the agenda of controlling. Exactly. This isn't a science fiction film. This isn't a Hollywood video film. Maybe the movies helped to, to develop the thinking for this, but... This isn't a conspiracy. Well, yes, there have always been conspiracies, but this is now reality. This information was made available to people in certain governments and they fell asleep and they didn't believe it was going to happen. And now some are with this group of multi-millionaires with the Vatican, the businessmen, people from the church, and people at the bottom, which are the presidents of these socialist or populist groups. This was one of the first complaints or revelations I made in August 2018 about the money laundering route from here to the Vatican and back and then this and then this spread to all the other uh, heads of state. One of my specialties is financial auditing and money laundering and auditing. So from 2013 to 2015, they gave me as a task to audit the Bank of Vatican. In a certain moment, they always taught me that everything needed to be protected, that I had to protect this information just in case something happened to me. The thing is that the Bank of Vatican, since Pope Francis took over, which his coming into power is a result of the um, coup against Pope Benedict, because Pope Benedict was going to... Benedict wanted to get rid of the gay lobby in the Vatican, and for this he had problems in the United States as well. And when Pope Francis took over, he helped all of these organizations of the New World Order to hide their money in the Vatican because the Bank of Switzerland already revealed its secrets, the secrets came known, the bank secrets, but since the Vatican is an independent state that cannot be audited, by the Bank of Rome, nor the Federal Reserve, nor anybody else, or any other entity. They started to function as an offshore bank. They've been working as an offshore bank for some time now. But they continue to do this in order to fund all the operations of this New World Order group of this agenda, and all the socialists and the Democrats in the United States were a part of this.
So they're trying to get rid of all of the heads of state that are trying to go against this. They tried to impeach Donald Trump. They just wasted the tax money of the of the people because it cost millions of dollars. And then all these things, I even sent Donald Trump a personal Twitter showing him a video of how the, the lady of the, in Congress, I can't remember her name right now, I just, the arch enemy, I just can't remember her name right now, Nancy Pelosi, yes, Nancy Pelosi, how she was meeting with Raul Castro, with Obama and all these other per people with uh, private dinners and stuff. And you could hear the audios in these dinners, and you could see the complicity with Castro, Chavez, and those that are and true democracies that are trying to come together, like Trump and um, what's happening in Brazil. And if we in Argentina get a chance to try to make a true right government here. So for this, I always have those are working against me because they're trying to defame me and to dirty my name, as always happens in these sorts of cases. Internally, the governments know this. Now, there's little resources and people that are able to stand up to this mafia that want to impose this new world order, so we need to protect, for example, those like Trump in the United States and support him. Look how all of this happened in 2020, one year before he was supposed to get re-elected. After everything they tried against him, now there's this whole virus situation which is ruining the country. And that's why they want to take the stock market down to say, look, Trump, look, he was... He was a good businessman, but look how he destroyed the economy. For me, they criticize me because they say, how can you defend Donald Trump? Yes, I defend him because I know that he's on my side. He's on the right side. He's defending the same thing as me, just in a different way. But the problem is he's not getting all the information that he should be getting. There are so many people speaking to him, but there's so many traitors giving him information. I don't know if he sees or doesn't see what I put out. I know that one piece of information got to him. Many things get filtered, but I hope that God puts it in his path. That one day the, he can re he can unite me with Trump and I can tell him this is all that's going to happen. Boom, put it in front of him because in 2005 he was uh, he was a businessman, a multi-million dollar businessman, a common businessman taking care of his matters. Friends, I don't know if what this Catholic deacon says 
is all true. I don't even know if any of it is true. It may very well be. I'm not the one who should judge his motives. However, I do know that this same line of reasoning that we see from Jorge Sonante has been heavily promoted in the past decade or so. Ever since 9-11 happened, a lot of controversial information has been published about different subjects, particularly dealing with the elite and their desire to create a one-world government controlled by a handful of people, a reality in which people are not only under surveillance, but under the absolute control of the world's wealthiest. There has indeed been a push for people to surrender some of their rights, to give up their firearms, for example, or accept new surveillance laws. But besides all of these, the most important thing that we need to keep in mind with respect to the papal power in particular, and its involvement in these last days, is that she indeed has been working actively to support ideas that are generally found within those who would qualify themselves as people of the left. The primary examples that we have seen recently are those of vaccination and climate change. Only a few days ago, the Pope called for international cooperation on finding coronavirus vaccine. And as we speak, the topic of vaccination has polarized the entire world into two separate camps. The Pope's talk about vaccination in connection with what we see here presented by Jorge Sonante would naturally lead many to follow through with Sonante's call to action in joining the true right in order for this diabolical one-world government new order plan to come to an end. And as I said earlier, I am not here to judge his motives. In fact, he probably has very good motives to do what he is doing. But what we should do as Bible-believing Christians is to ensure that we base everything on the Word of God. And the Word of God tells us that we are to look out for the two-headed eagle, and not only of the workings of the beast, Catholicism, but those of the dragon, spiritualism, and the false prophet, apostate Protestantism. In Revelation 13, 14, we read specifically about the works of the false prophet, where it says that he deceiveth them that dwell on the earth. You see, deception isn't something that can be easily spotted. In fact, a deception is something that is built primarily upon something that is good and true. This is what Babylon is, a mixture of truth and error. Enough truth to deceive and enough error to kill. So let us now put aside what we heard from Jorge Sonante for a second and go to the second beast and examine who has been behind Donald Trump and why that is so important. After the 2016 election, George Barna, probably the most well-known Christian statistician in the world, published a book entitled The Day Christians Changed America, How Christian Conservatives Put Trump in the White House and Redirected America's future. The title itself is very telling, but here are some of Barna's own words that show us what he means. After the 2016 election, I sat back and as a political junkie, I was reading as much of the aftermath of the election as I could. And the thing that struck me was that nobody talked about the impact that faith had on the election. I couldn't understand that because my argument is 
you really can't understand the 2016 presidential election, at least, until you understand the impact that faith had on it. Faith impacted every aspect of it. I mean, it impacted the positions of the candidates. It impacted the political party platforms. It impacted the choices that voters were making as they looked at the character, the positions, the background of the candidates. The nonprofit organizations that are faith-driven were incredibly active in this election. And in fact, for the Trump organization, they essentially represented his ground game. You look at things like the scandals, which were much like God, omnipresent. And what I realized is that you wouldn't even know what a scandal was if it weren't for the Bible telling us right from wrong. Right. I mean, faith was just everywhere on this. Some of the events that took place during the course of the campaign changed the trajectory of the campaign. So I thought, well, let's see. I was polling every day of the year from January 1st, 2015 through the day after the election, about the election, and had all kinds of insights from the research. I served as a pollster for one of the candidates, a strategist for another one, worked with literally hundreds of organizations that were doing groundwork, fieldwork in the campaign, supplied research to them. So I know a lot of the players. I knew a lot of what was going on behind the scenes. Not everything, but quite a bit. Certainly a lot of stuff that the mainstream media never covered. And I thought, wow, it might be the time for me to write that book because nobody's really told what I think is the key story of the election. Why do you think that faith was such a major factor in this election when we're being told constantly that faith in America is dwindling, but yet it seemed to be at the forefront of this? Are the stats on faith in America dwindling not accurate? What's going on there? No, I, I think they're accurate, but I think that Americans are grasping at straws at this point. We were on the edge of the cliff, and frankly, we've tried everything else. And so there wasn't much else left to turn to but our faith in God, the truths of the Bible, you know, the supernatural. And I think all of that played a huge role in what took place. What we've seen since then in the research we've been doing is that it's actually strengthened the faith of many Americans. We did find that Christians, devoted, dedicated Christians, as opposed to Christians in name only, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, as this goes on. They recognized that this was a time when their contribution could really break through in a way that it might not have in prior elections. And I think when we talk about their levels of turnout and the unanimity of their vote, we'll see the kind of impact that had. There were two terms that you brought up in the book. One was what you call sage con. Define that for us a little bit as we talk about that, just so our listeners know what you mean. SAGECON is an acronym for Spiritually Active Governance Engaged Conservative Christians. These are people who are driven by their faith. Their life is defined by their interpretation of the scriptures. And part of that interpretation leads them to believe that God expects them to try to influence every dimension of the world around them. He's placed them here for such a time as this so that they can have an impact and move the kingdom of God on earth ahead. 
So as a consequence of that, even though it might not be a natural inclination for most of them, they believe that they have to be involved in politics and government. So they pay more attention to what's going on there. They get more involved. It's not just voting, but they're more likely to donate money. They're more likely to volunteer time. They're more likely to hand out voter guides. They're more likely to engage in conversations about politics and elections with other people. They take it really seriously because they know that it does have an impact on people. There's this expression we have in America that you can't legislate morality. Nothing could be further from the truth. That's all legislation is. Morality tells us right from wrong. The laws tell us right from wrong and the penalties for doing yeah. right or wrong. So these are individuals who get that. And even though it wouldn't be a natural inclination for most of them, out of their faith, their commitment to God, their trust in the scriptures, that it is God's word, it is truth, they get involved. Why is this so significant for us in these last days? It is because the Bible tells us that the image of the beast, which is a church and state union, will be formed in the United States of America in order for the mark of the beast crisis to come in effect. Yes, apostate Protestantism, the false prophet, will be taking control and influencing the U.S. government. And what we have seen this last election is Christian conservatives coming together and taking back control of their country by appointing a man who they think has been given to them by God for such a time as this. As we're witnessing the push coming from the left for control, for climate change, for mandatory vaccination, for digital surveillance, etc. We're now also witnessing a pushback from the right for national sovereignty, for freedom from coercion, and for privacy and more robust rights, which absolutely seem like laudable goals. COVID-19 has had more impact upon politics than health. People are being united to stand together, to put their differences aside for the common good. And who have been some of the major players involved in the bringing together those who will call the right? In other words, the conservatives? It is those who share the same views and ideas as Jorge Sonante. Notice what Alex Jones, probably the biggest anti-establishment, anti-democrat proponent, has been doing during the pandemic and what he has to say about God and Donald Trump. figured it out like I blew the globalist up. It already happened. How are you doing emotionally right now? I love yeah. it. Yeah, you're good. I'm close, very, close to, very close to God. Very close to God. Very close. Yeah. In fact, I always felt my heart and stomach, now it's in my bones. Like, like every moment is like 
close to God. I, I can't explain it. I'm so close to God right now. I, it's not my name or who I am. The enemy knows I love God. I love Jesus. And so I've already passed on. And that's why the enemy hates me because I'm well beyond their grasp now. Far beyond their grasp. Edward Snowden. Patriot. Really? Ted Cruz. Patriot. Back to back. Julian Assange. Patriot. Bernie Sanders. Vampire. Putin. Nationalist. Bill Gates. Eugenicist. Trump. Next level. Did you say next level? Next level. Moses. Trump is Moses. Oh, yeah. Elaborate. What do you mean by Trump is Moses? He's the real freaking deal. My gut knows it, and it's all clear. He's, he's pro-human. He wants progress. He is one of just, he's already had everything, and he's, he's dialed in the real deal. I guess they call that the deliverer. Trump's the deliverer if we take it. We've already seen it. We've already seen everything suppressing us. And then as soon as he comes in, grass and flowers and power. Just, everything's waiting right now. Friends, I'm not here to question what Alex Jones' motives are. In fact, he probably has a very good reason to do what he's doing. But I am here to openly say that in the past few weeks, I have seen Christians and far-right political proponents come together in an ecumenical way like I have never seen before. And this is not only happening in America, this is happening worldwide. Is standing for our freedoms a good thing? Absolutely. Is fighting against a mandatory vaccine and forceful vaccination generally a good thing? Yes, it is. But when we look at the bigger picture, when we look at what we can call the conspiracy behind the conspiracy, which only the Bible allows us to do, we can but see that there's a push for both sides of the spectrum. And both forces are heavily influenced by the beast, the dragon, and the false prophet. You see, aside from Sonante and Jones, when we look closely at some of the other material that has been spreading like wildfire, despite what all the social media networks are trying to do in order to stop it, we see the involvement of the three unclean spirits. I'm sure most of you have heard or watched a short episode from an upcoming series called Plandemic. And again, I am not here to question the motives of the filmmaker. Neither am I here to ignore what Judy Mikovits has been saying for years. In fact, her first book that was published a few years ago is on my bookshelf. But I am here to tell you about the purpose of this documentary because it is important for us to understand this. Here's what we find on the Plandemic website. The window of opportunity is open like never before. For the first time in human history, we have the world's attention. Plandemic will expose the scientific and political elite who run the scam that is our global health system while laying out a new plan. A plan that allows all of humanity to reconnect with healing forces of nature. 2020 is the code for perfect vision. It is also the year that will go down in history as the moment we finally opened our eyes. A plan that allows all of humanity to be reconnected with the healing forces of nature? Are they talking about home remedies? Not at all. 
Why? Because Mickey Willis, the man behind Plandemic, is an avid New Ager whose organization Elevate has primarily been involved with heavily New Age and spiritualistic content. Not only that, but he has teamed up with another New Age doctor by the name of Rashid Buttar, whose stand against vaccines has also been circulated heavily throughout the internet. The energy that the planet experiences over the next 24 to 48 hours is as powerful as it can be. And we have the ability to shift, literally shift the planet. And um, after I'm done with my spiel here, then Dr. Lipton is going to show us exactly how to shift the planet. So Because quantum physics is a science that recognizes that consciousness is creating our life experiences. That uh, uh, we, through our mind, are manifesting a reality. And there's a collective reality through collective consciousness. Friends, is it okay to promote one good purpose while introducing and also supporting an evil one? Is it okay to mix truth with error? You might say, well, at least they are speaking against mandatory vaccination. Yes, they are. And now that they have the attention of millions upon millions of people, the door will be wide open for the enemy to introduce his spiritualistic ideas to the masses. You see, that is how Babylon works. If it were not so crafty, it wouldn't be a deception. There have been numerous documentaries coming out in the past couple of months that have gotten millions of views which have been instigated by Protestant Christians and dealing with the subject of exposing the workings of the elite. One other primary example is the documentary Out of the Shadows which very openly has the cross on its cover, exposing and promoting similar ideas as to those we've heard from other far-right sources, fueling the anti-establishment, anti-control mindset. As I mentioned earlier, people have been coming together like never before, united under the banner of doing that which they think is good for humanity or the common good. The left, the elites, have their agenda, and Rome has been assisting them but the right have their agenda also, and the false prophet has been intimately involved in it. There's just one more question to answer. How does it all end? Well, while we don't exactly know what the devil will orchestrate in the final events, we do know what the Bible has given us as an example in the concept of the two-headed eagle. There needs to be something that brings the two sides together. Something that will no longer divide, but unite the left and the right, as it did with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. This probably isn't going to be totalitarianism as it has expressed the idea of the one world government, because Daniel chapter 2 clearly objects to it, since the iron and the clay do not mix. Furthermore, Revelation 13 says that the whole world wandered or marveled after the beast. In other words, they were captivated by the beast. Believe it or not, what seems to be the one thing that is going to unite the right and the left is the mark of the beast, the observance of the first day of the week as the national day of rest. Notice what scientists have concluded based on the COVID-19 pandemic and its influence upon our planet. 
Catherine Abreu, the Executive Director of Climate Action Network Canada. Thank you so much for joining us. So you must be encouraged by some of these signs, aren't you? So I think the most important thing for us to begin with is we never want to see these kinds of environmental benefits coming along with such tremendous human suffering. And we know that they're temporary. So yes, we are seeing significant emissions reductions. In parts of Asia, we saw a 25% decrease in greenhouse gas emissions. But that is not going to last beyond this pandemic. And we know that to get those lasting emissions reductions, we really need structural changes. And we want to do it in a way that, you know, of course, doesn't come along with a whole bunch of um, suffering on the part of thousands and thousands of people. So, yes, we're seeing these um, we're seeing these changes and I think we can take some lessons from them, but we don't want to celebrate them. So we have a pause right now, but how worried are you that we're just going to go right back to where we were? So it's absolutely the case that a lot of the challenges we were experiencing before COVID-19 will stick with us afterward, like climate change, like biodiversity loss, and like the kinds of volatility that we're seeing in global markets, particularly energy markets. So what we can take away with us is the memory that government action, strong political will rolled out in an efficient and effective way can be a very powerful game changer. Friends, the mark of the beast will give the left the opportunity to save the planet and unite people. One day every week that gives rest to this planet, providing a consistent way of eliminating CO2 emissions. But also, the mark of the beast will give the right the victory over removing the control from the elite and taking it into their own Christian hands by observing the so-called spurious Sabbath or Sunday. In a recent article posted by the Christian Post, nearly half of Americans said they believe the Bible should influence U.S. laws. And that is exactly what the Bible says is going to take place in the United States. Apostate Protestantism will form an image to the beast or a church and state union in which the false Protestant church will be in control of the state. You might be thinking that this cannot be because in order for the Sunday law to be passed, the constitution would need to be removed and no right-leaning Christian will give that up. Friends, remember, he deceiveth them that dwelleth on the earth. What if I told you that the groundwork for the mark of the beast has already been set a long time ago, and it is only God's mercy that has been holding back the winds for this long. A case in the year 1961, the case McGowan versus Maryland, has become one of the leading Supreme Court decisions involving Sunday blue laws. The court found that a Sunday law does not violate the Establishment Clause, setting the precedent that laws with religious origins are constitutional, if they have a secular purpose. Do you know what this means? It means that a Sunday law, which is passed for the benefit of society as a whole, having the secular purpose of saving the environment, let's say, has already been deemed constitutional. The only thing left is for the people to demand it. And demand it they will, because we have already been told that even in free America, rulers and legislators, in order to secure public favor, not the favor of the elites, will yield 
to the popular demand for a law-enforcing Sunday observance. Dear beloved, it is not a matter of if, but when. The stage is set. The only thing God has been waiting for is for His people to be sealed, as we see in Revelation 7. And this brings me to the most important part of this video. We have gone behind the scenes and examined some of the workings of the beast found in Revelation 13. We have seen how they have been intimately involved in bringing together the two major groups we find within humanity as a whole, those of the left and those of the right. We have seen how a national Sunday law has the potential to unite rather than continue to divide these two groups. But we need to understand that all of this knowledge would be useless, irrelevant, unless we surrender to Christ and allow Him to put His Father's seal upon our foreheads. You see, the devil deceived Adam and Eve, selling them knowledge, telling them that their eyes would be opened, 2020 vision, and convincing them that knowledge is all they need in order to be like God. But you know, friends, knowledge isn't everything we need in order to be like Christ and form His character. It is essential, but though we might have knowledge, it will avail nothing unless we choose Jesus to be our comforter and helper day in and day out. Understanding prophecy, unveiling every big conspiracy out there, knowing that there's a Sunday law coming will not be enough. What we need is an experiential knowledge of Christ. Indeed, Christ needs to be formed within each of us. And if you were to take one thing from this presentation, it should be to heed the call of Jesus who wants to have a daily relationship with you and get you ready to stand victorious during the mark of the beast crisis that is coming upon this earth. What we need is the character of Christ based upon the knowledge of what He has done for us. Will you accept Him as your Savior and Comforter, I pray you do. Standing on the Platform of Truth Pioneer Health and Missions